All right, we had the game of the year in the Pac-12 last week, and it, uh, Oregon went to Utah, and Utah stomped them, 38-7. to uh, Probably a fatal blow for Oregon as it uh, counts towards the college football playoff. They're still very much alive in the North, but all of a sudden that's a little bit of a race. We're going to talk about all that more on this week's Eligible Receivers. He's Eric. I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Ineligible Receiver. Offense number 64. By rule, that penalty is disregarded. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. So, that means the first thing we talk about, last week's Pac-12 action. And it started off on Friday night in Pullman, where the Cougs took on... They're kind of like terrible, but plucky, terrible Arizona Wildcats. And brother, this game was all Cougarinos. Uh, they had a 21-7 lead at the half. They expanded 44-18, to an emphatic win to secure bowl eligibility. How about 16 carries, 139 yards, and two touchdowns for Max Borgie in his last game in Pullman? How about 13 completions for Delora? And four touchdowns. That's not bad. That's like uh that's like a thirty percent touchdown clip there every time you sling it. Like that's pretty good. Yeah. I'm, I'm they're good. they're doing what they want. Four receptions for Calvin Jackson, 133 yards. You'll take that per per yard, like average, two touchdowns. Like there's some gaudy statistics here. I will say uh, about this game, I watched uh, a little bit of it because it was the Friday night game, you know, uh, yeah, enjoyed it. Uh, watched, uh, caught my first time I'd seen an interview with Jake Dickert, the uh, D coordinator, who was the interim head coach. Yeah. Uh, liked him. He seemed like a really solid guy. I think he was a good interview. Uh, seemed young. Seemed, uh, you know, just in terms of like uh, first impressions, I was impressed by the guy. All right. And, yeah, and it, it helps when you win, you know. But Yeah. I mean, I, I think we'll talk about this more later, but I think he's, like, almost in a position this weekend where he can, like, force Chen's hand, like, to, to, to make him the permanent coach. Yeah. I he's, think he, oh, he's, yeah. I think he got that. I think he's got that in his uh, – within his control this weekend. But we can talk about that more if you – Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I would say – uh, great job for, I mean, really impressive by the Coug, uh, players, you know, to hang on in the midst of like the absurdity that their former coach wrought, uh, in all those distractions and still hang on and get bowl eligibility. Uh, Delora playing well, uh, Bo- this has to be up there with Max Borgie's like best rushing games that he's had just because, you know, they didn't run a ton under Leach. So for him to get, you know, 139 yards, very impressive. And we didn't talk about uh, Calvin Jackson, who I looked up a couple times, and he had long touchdowns. I did talk about him. I said four okay, receptions for 130 yards. That's a oh, good average. <laughs> Two touchdowns. Yeah, yeah he, he had a he had like a I want to say he had like a 90 yarder or something. One That'll one. help. That'll help the old the, the old statistics. Not bad, man. That was a good game for those Cougs, and I think Arizona, their D coordinator, who's been, um, well, like kind of a revelation for them in terms of like. Don Brown rides long time D coordinator at Michigan. We've talked about like their defense yeah. this year actually hasn't been terrible. I think he's taking the head coaching job at UMass or something. Um, so 
he's they may, he may be his eyes off the ball, but Coog's Coog's got him. He checked out, dude. I got a job. I don't need to. I don't need to coach you guys anymore. Yeah, Do yeah. whatever. Do whatever feels right. Um, next up, let's go to uh, how about uh, Los Angeles, where UCLA and USC met. And I'll tell you, brother, I had the wrong side of this one. UCLA, <laughs> holy smokes! I mean, this I, I I'd be interested to hear. I don't know if you saw where this kind of stands historically in terms of wins for UCLA in this rivalry, because to put up sixty-two points. Is it, is it like UCLA's uh, interim head coach, a defensive coach, Dante Williams? Like, isn't he? I thought he was like their secondary coach or their defensive coordinator or something. Like, what in the hell? That guy's like for going from Clay Helton, who like wasn't much in the way of a presence. This guy's a, a an absolute non-entity. It would appear. Well, he ain't long for that interim role because this is. Embarrassing, dude. 29-point loss to your crosstown rivals that have been floundering for going on, what is it, forever? I don't know, a couple decades? Um, yeah, forever. I mean, like, this is no good if you're USC, dude, and now you're out of the you're out of the bowl picture for the year? Like, Well, they do have – they do have – they have a makeup game theoretically with Cal on December 4th. Oh, so, right, right. Okay. But they do have uh, – and they still have BYU. Which they're at home, and they are, I just looked it up, seven-point dogs at home to BYU. Crazy. Amazing what they've let that program become. Unbelievable. But, yeah, so hats off to Chip, seven and four. Kind of probably saving his job, which I think most everybody in the Pac-12 is okay with at this point because he just doesn't seem like he's got it going at UCLA. and and like They're just kind of middling, but they're like above average middling this year. Yeah, he. It's a shame that that guy lost the juice because, like, that. I mean, there was a second there where, legitimately, Bill Belichick like went to Oregon practices to like learn. Yeah, and and like this year, obviously, conference isn't so good. So yeah. you know, if you're gonna have a year where you get it back and you just crunch everybody, like they could be eleven and zero right now. Like you know, like that's not beyond the realm of possibility if, if he had like got them rolling by now in his fifth season there there's a couple of okay opponents and everybody else is garbage so yeah like they should be easily easily nine and two ten and one right now and instead they're seven and four so i don't know we'll probably get another year now we'll see if he does anything with it yeah uh how about we got a big game that occurred on the farm uh california historic Historic win for them in that rivalry. I believe it was their biggest yardage output they've ever had against Stanford. But they win forty-one to eleven. Uh, just the the bleak season Stanford had got the finish it deserved. Uh, so poor, so poor. We're talking about Cal having three hundred fifty-two yards rushing in this game. It's too many, man. But Stanford hasn't been able to stop the run all year, and it doesn't appear like David Shaw is going to do anything about that. Um, he's just going to keep getting crushed. So yep. hats off to him. He did it again. And good for Chase Garbers to get, uh, I don't think this is his first big game win. I think they might've got another one. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, good God. That's like 600 yards of offense. Yeah. It's a lot. 636 yards of offense. Too, My many, too many yards. 
I mean, if I, I'd be, I'm interested to see like kind of what the fallout is for this at Stanford because I don't think David Shaw's a big coach fire. He's got to do something, man, because they are bad. Yeah, terrible. Uh, uh, let's go to Corvallis next. Uh, Oregon State hosted Arizona State in a in a battle of kind of like your uh, your just second tier Pac-12 teams. Uh, you know, probably like your second team from the south and second team from the north. Uh, and the Beavs, you know, they, they got out. They staked themselves to a seven point halftime, seventeen point halftime lead, uh, and twenty four to ten. The big play that I saw in this game was uh, I, I I don't know exactly how they use this guy, this Jack Coletto. Yeah, he's like their like wildcat guy, right? Yeah, he's like yeah, he's like a he's he's pretty good sized guy, uh, and he comes in yeah, and he does like what uh uh. What's the guy named Taysom Hill for the Saints, you know? Yeah. But he's listed as a linebacker on their team. Good, dude. I like that. Yeah. Don't even just... change the designation. Yeah, they're like, bring him. They're bring... He's a football player is what he is. They bring him in. He had a 47-yard touchdown run. Like, uh, so... You remember when UW used to occasionally put Vita Vey in at fullback? Yes. They should have done that shit more, right? Like, yeah. Terrifying. Terrifying. If, you're, if your job is the linebacker that's supposed to fill a gap, and Vita Vea is the guy, like, I'm opting out. I'm not doing it. So, like, smart. Good on Oregon State for taking a linebacker and putting him at quarterback. Like, you know, the other team doesn't want anything to do with that. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and I've heard uh, – well, how long? How much longer do we think Herm's going to do this? I can't imagine too much longer, dude. Although, I mean, Arizona State, 7-4. and four. They're probably going to be Arizona this weekend, right? So it could be eight and four. That's like not a fireable season by any stretch of the imagination. Oh no way! Not in this garbage conference, and not and not in that garbage state of football where they don't really care. Anyways, I mean, and I assume he's got a pretty nice setup in terms of the golf course that he lives on and the pool that he's got at his house and stuff. So if you're Herm, you might just be like, I mean, he's probably got a couple more, couple two, three more years before they even think about getting rid of him. Yeah, I would think so. It would have, it'd have to, be, to be like it have to be his initiative, I think, to step away. Yeah, it would have to get a lot worse than this. Um, but yeah, so uh, so you know, really good win for Jonathan Smith. I mean, and now like you're now I'm still going back and thinking like the Beavers. You know, they lose these close games to Colorado and to Cal. What could have like, been, dude? Yeah, I mean that we are uh, we are two very reasonable outcomes away from a nine and two season for them. Uh, but st- you know, still obviously. A great year for them. And the, the Beavers, they remain alive for the Pac-12 North. There's all kinds of crazy. Like, it's like it's like the Bees, the Cougs, and the Ducks are all kind of, like, scrumming for it, right? Yeah, they're they're all in there with a shout right now. So, uh, next up, uh, does that just leave? Did we talk about Oregon and Utah? Not really. You, you mentioned it in the start of the show, but I don't think we've talked about it subsequently. Well, here's what I have to say about this game is that, uh, you know, well, I think what we talked about last week is that, you know, Oregon are were essentially a fraud at number three, you know, as like a presumptive college football playoff team. Uh, and Vegas knew about this, and that's why Utah was favored. And uh, this this game really turned a lot on a sequence at the end of the first half, where uh, Oregon uh, had a chance to get some points on the board, turn the thing over. Utah scores with like you know, like less than 30 seconds to go in the half, or excuse me, not a lot of time left in the half. Oregon gets the ball back. Utah calls a timeout 
enforces or so Oregon has to punt the ball away on fourth down with 11 seconds to go. And Britton Covey, uh, I to the house, to the house, dude. I mean, it was not, uh, it was not a cheapie. No, 78 yards, dude. He went, he went along. Yeah. Ways. So right as you're closing the half. So like, I mean, there was a chance that this thing was going to be like 14, seven or something at the half. No, it's going to be seven, nothing or 14, nothing. Uh, Ducks didn't score till the third quarter, but yeah, I mean, your point stands like that's a devastating sequence of events. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it was like, it was bang, bang, 14 points, right, right at the half. Like, yeah. right. Uh, so, uh, yeah. And then Utah was just comfortable for the rest of the game. Oregon didn't have any answers. And uh, what I feel good about this game is that you and I weren't messing around with it. Uh, we said Utah was going to win. Utah did win. Utah came in there and won. We said number three team in the country, BS. That's not what it is. Uh, and it's good to be right about something like that, especially at Oregon's expense. Yeah, because we're wrong about that a lot. I would say over the 12 years that we've been doing this, we've made that proposition a new, uh, number of times, including years in which Oregon has gone to play in the national title game, and it has been only in that game where we've been proven correct. Um, but, yeah, it's nice it's nice when that comes out, works out. We'll get you in the end, you bums. Yeah. Um, okay, and that leaves us with Washington and Colorado from Boulder. Uh I didn't see I didn't see what ended up being the final score of this game, but I know from watching it that Washington's offense looked better than it's looked all year. Passing the ball at least. Four turnovers though. That'll hurt. Oh wait, that's negative. Seventeen to twenty, Colorado wins the game with on the back of a ten nothing first quarter and then a ten seven fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean had, yeah. Yeah. Ten points. I mean you were it's just bad. It was just bad. What what was frustrating about this one is that uh, Washington uh, was shockingly effective on third downs in this game. Washington Colorado converted... sucks, dude. I mean, that's they're the terrible. About this. Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's not lose sight of the fact that Colorado is a bad team. The leading rusher in this game, Mr. Broussard, had twelve carries for forty-three yards. Leading rusher. 43 yards. I mean, Washington outgained them by 240 yards, right? Washington had 22 first downs. Colorado had nine. I mean, Washington was 14 of 21 on third down conversions in this game. Well, they haven't even sniffed anything close to that all season. Colorado, on the other hand, was two of 14 on third downs. We got reverse Shaq Thompson, dude. There was a 99 yard scoop and score on defense. It was a reverse Thompson. Yeah, I mean, and that was the game, and then we were just chasing it all day. And then this was it was a real Sarky sequence to me. Uh, Washington, you know, tie the game, and then there was just this period of everybody trading possessions and Washington not scoring, turning it over, right? Yeah. Then Colorado finally is like, fine, we'll take the lead. So they take the lead, and then Washington screws it up again, gives up a field goal, and then all of a sudden Washington's down 20 to 10, right? And then... Now that it's no longer really going to have any impact on the game, here comes a Washington touchdown drive. You know, yeah. right yeah. down the field, they're like, whoo, all that pressure's off. Uh, and then, you know, they managed to get the damn ball back. And then it's just, you know. Uh, this is a team that needs to find a way to play football in a consequenceless environment. And they've done it for themselves, sort of, because they no longer 
kind yeah. of a specter <laughs> of uh, well, uh, yeah. having bowl eligibility as a carrot. That's something to worry about losing. They've lost it. That was like kind of my thought when watching, like, like as I'm watching Dylan Morris play quarterback, I'm like, I bet like once, like once he's relieved of the pressure of having to try and figure out how to win a game, you know, I, I bet that is like a, a very real relief to him. You know, because like, yeah. oh, thank God, this is over. It's over. It's all the way over, dude. Yeah. So that guy, I mean, it's a shame what happened to that guy. I'd say like, you know, uh, you know, a portion of it maybe being a function of like a, you know, not, I mean, he's not like an overwhelming physical specimen or anything like that. Uh, and the play caller that our former coach Jimmy Lake hired for him was uh, not doing him any favors. Uh, and I think the kids just his confidence just got shot. It's gone, dude. He's got it. There's like no doubt in my mind that guy's got to be wearing a different uniform next year. He's got to go to a different place. He's got to play in a different stadium. He's got to put on a different uniform for his like, own sake. For every yeah. yeah, dude. Not even because like I. I mean, it's like I don't want him to leave necessarily. Like I, I you know, I'm not opposed to the guy. Um, I'm just saying, he, like he just he's got to do it. Like he's got to like start. He's got to start from scratch. You know. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think I think that'd be good for him, and also because I think, fairly or unfairly, I think like uh, he's probably third man in terms of like who gets blamed for this year. Uh, first two being the coordinator and the coach. Yeah, uh, and not terribly fair to him, but also true. Yeah. All right. So how do we do on picks last week? Fascinating week. All of us went three and three. But none of us did it in the in the same way, if that makes sense. So that's great. Yeah, yeah. None, but just none of us had the same sequence of events to come to three and three. We all had a different game here or there or whatever. It's only one, basically per everybody. But it's interesting to me that 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 worked out that way. So, long story short, then is that nobody changed any position. I'm at thirty nine and forty two. You are at thirty eight. And 43. Tubby also at 38 and 43. And Worm is back there a bit at 33 and 48. So that hurts. I did I did speak with Worm this week and he uh, confirmed that he was indeed just fading yeah, uh, of course. group consensus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Worm Worm's a, a, a savvy, you know, gambler. You know, one of the going. one of the cagier individuals I know. Yeah, no, that guy, he's a he's a Vegas legend. I mean, he's he an operator. He, he knows what he's doing in Vegas. So that's why, I, I mean, I just gave him the benefit of the doubt that he was like, certainly just doing whatever, like the only possible thing he could do to get back in it, which is just fade. Like what we're, he's not even betting against like these games anymore. He's just betting against us, which is like, you know, smart because we're bad at this. So, so, you know, but it hasn't worked out for him this year. Yeah. I hear you. All right, so let's get into the next week's slate of games. We'll start it off on – so we'll save Apple Cup for last, but, so we'll do the other Friday game, which is Colorado and Utah in a rivalry uh, yet to be named, I want to say. Yeah, because nobody cares. Yeah. These Colorado's, still, Colorado's yeah. rival is like Nebraska, right? And Utah's rival is BYU. So, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's like – what what these schools need, you know, is well. I like what we're doing. We just got to keep playing this game every year. It's the default rivalry of the Pac-12. Yep. Uh, and if it, you know, if you're playing each other in the last game of the regular season every year, eventually somebody's going to get an opportunity to play somebody with an opportunity to hurt them. 
Yeah. You know, to out of nowhere hurt their season. And let's get a little bad blood going. Yeah, I like so I like this, I like where you're headed with it. That's a yeah. good word, right? It's not my fault. It's not your fault. It's default. Like it's just yeah, like, it's like... <laughs> yeah. So and it'll happen, right? If you're saying yeah. if you're playing the last game of the season against these people, eventually one of these teams is going to have an opportunity to like win the Pac-12 South, and the other team out of nowhere, based on some garbage call or some cheating play or something like that, and all of a sudden, you know, you're going to find like. Man, I'll tell you what, I don't really like those Buffaloes, or I don't really like those Utes. Never, then, never did like them, you know, yeah. now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just just wait. I mean, I'm just keep doing it as we're doing it. We're going to just come back in, you know, 15, 20 years. We're going to have a legitimate rivalry again. All, All right. you got to do is play the games. Is that, is it, like, we're just sowing the seeds right now, this rivalry, and eventually yeah. it's going to bloom into a beautiful rival, rivalry plant of some kind. Yeah, oh, I absolutely agree. Uh, so as far as this game... Uh, nobody can really hurt anybody because Utah's not in the running for anything. I believe they've clinched the Pac-12 South by virtue of Arizona State's loss. But actually, let me see, because does UCLA only have two conference losses? Let's see. Uh, uh, well, let me take a peek at the standings so I know what, what a world I'm looking Utah at. Utah 23 and a half is a big number to me. But, I mean, they would have covered that against Oregon. So how are we not going to – how am I not going to say they're going to cover that against Colorado? Yeah, and Colorado just uh, pulled one out of their high knee against Washington. So I'd say, yeah, and, and Utah's got the South sewn up. They're not, you know, I mean, they're in the Pac-12 championship game already. That's the that's the biggest thing for them. So they have a chance to go to one of these big bowl games still, but it's not whether or not whatever happens in this game has literally no impact on it. I think but it I'd does, still... though, because, because I think the Rose Bowl this year is a playoff game. So I don't think... I might be wrong about that, but so, so what I mean by that is I don't think that necessarily the Pac-12 champion like automatically goes to the Rose Bowl this year because it's a playoff yeah. game. So I think I think then you would go to you know like it flexes to one of the other BC, like traditional BCS games, and so I think then like your actual rank and like where you stand might might be impacted like whether you end up at the Fiesta or the Sugar Bowl or the Peach Bowl. I don't know how that works, but. Um, yeah, well, I, th- I mean, if you're Utah, you're like, whatever. I got into one of the New Year's Six games. Yeah, which they should. I mean, they, they're the best team in the conference. so um, it, it would appear so. It does appear that way. So, all right. So, are uh, you going with Utah and 23.5 points? I'm, I am doing that. Nope, number's too big. Colorado, baby. Yeah, the buffs. The Utes, they, dude, they shot. It's easy to get up for Oregon. Easy, you know? Yeah, but Colorado's a different story. All right, I'll, I'm going to take the Utes. Okay. Um, so next up, let's do, I got to go back to the schedule page. What's the next, what's the first Saturday? Civil War, which is not the Civil War anymore. Huge game. The big game or whatever we're going to call it. It's the name, the no name game. Um, Oregon, Oregon State, Oregon minus seven. Um, so let me go through my Pac-12 North permutations and you tell me if I got this right. So as I understand it, if Washington State beats Washington, which we'll talk about in a second, and Oregon State beats Oregon, then your Cougs, by virtue of tiebreakers, are a Pac-12 North representative in the Pac-12 title game. Okay. If Washington beats Washington State and Oregon State wins the Civil War, then uh, Oregon State are in the Pac-12 title game. Okay. If Oregon wins, doesn't matter what happens anywhere else, Oregon will be a game ahead still, and Oregon will be in there. So we're in there through at least as of kickoff at 5 p.m. Friday. We have three teams very much alive uh, for the Pac-12 North Championship. It's every team in the Northwest but us, baby. Yeah. 
the reverse Northwest Championship. Um, okay. Um, I think. I think Oregon's gonna win this game. You know, like they're better than Oregon State probably, but you know, they're pretty dinged up. It's a rivalry game. Do they care anymore now they're out of the playoff? I don't know, but I mean, if they win and they can just go straight to the conference title game, that seems like enough motivation to me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Oregon. I'm gonna take the Beavs. I think maybe something got punctured for Oregon at Utah, and I think Oregon State is a very competent team. I like the way that their defense has rebounded after getting rid of that coordinator. Uh, after they were shipping points to the Golden Bears and the Buffaloes. Uh, I think, I one, I mean, first of all, neither outcome would surprise me in the least in this game. I think this uh, Oregon State's got a chance to come up and get them this year. I mean, I think they beat them last year, right? Or the year before. I mean, they've won one, like, very recently. They've won recently, yeah. So it's not, it wouldn't be a shock. All right. Let's talk about the, I believe it's called the Territorial Cup. I think that's correct. Arizona State. Uh, what's that? What's the territory of which we speak? Arizona. Arizona. <laughs> but we can't. Also known as a state. But yeah. um, <laughs> you jerk offs. <laughs> like, yeah. Everybody, everybody in Texas talks big about secession, but who named their rivalry game after straight up just not even being a state? Arizona. Low yeah. key, low key, bully move right there. I love it. Um, Arizona State is at home. They are 20.5-point favorites against Arizona. Don Brown is down from Arizona. Jed Fish has won his game for the year. Certainly not going to win this game. Is he going to lose it by less than 21 points? I say yes. I say Jed Fish stays stays within the the territory, but covers, like, loses the game and loses by less than 20.5 points. The name implies that the loser will be seeding territory. Yeah. I think. Is that is that a fair inference? I don't know what it implies, dude. I just like I don't even quite get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. Territorial like it, cup. It yeah. implies that they're not part of the union. That's what it implies. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It impli- I like I like the here's what I would like to see as part of this rivalry. Is that there's like a, a building owned by the state that is for the next calendar year to the benefit of the university that wins the game. Yeah. Like so there's actually, idea, let's get some territory that changes hands here. Yeah. That's fair. Um, uh, who as got? for the game. Yeah. Uh, numbers too big. <laughs> okay. Zone as well. Yeah. Wildcats. All right. Uh, we've got, I don't think this, what is the Stanford Notre Dame game called? I don't think it's anything, but Notre Dame minus 19 and a half. I'm going to take Notre Dame. I, the number's not too big. They can't, the number's I mean, too small. The number's too small. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Stanford is in a world of hurt. Um, all right. Uh, USC hosting BYU. Yeah, and I will say that like that's exactly as much as that Notre Dame-Stanford game deserves. And what a terrible comment on Stanford. Yeah, for sure. They have no chance of covering 20 points. None whatsoever. Uh, USC is seven-point dogs at home to BYU. That can never have happened before. Um, and I don't think... I, I mean, they they lost by twenty nine points to Chip Kelly, dude. They're gonna they're gonna get blown out by these Cougs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're talking about Utah. We're talking about Oregon schools and Washington State. Uh, I've got I got uh, hate to say it, your Pac twelve champs, and they're right here at BYU. Yeah, and with they, 
they have a chance to complete a run of wins over Arizona, Utah, Arizona State, uh, and Washington State, and cap it with a win over USC. I mean, that they is certainly an undefeated conference record. They certainly won the South. Um, yeah, I, so I'm going to take them. I'm going to take them as well. All right, that brings us to UCLA hosting California. UCLA six and a half point favorites. Did Cal find something last week? Is that what we're going to think? Or are we going to say well, UCLA? Well, apparently they, they found enough players to field a team. Which helps. Uh, yeah, which is positive for them. Um, God, UCLA, this is like exactly the type of game they would lose for no reason. But I'm going to go with the Bruins. I think they're enough. I think they got enough to win by a touchdown. All right. I go, I'm going to take that as well. That leaves us with only one game left to pick, and it's not even a game that we were allowed to pick because by law we are required to take UW. I'm going to tell you I would take UW anyways because of your time-honored principle that I have wholeheartedly adopted, which is the outcome is what is expected, and the outcome of a, expected outcome in any Apple Cup is that Washington wins. Yeah, I think uh, I'm looking forward to what I'm hoping is uh, uh, Patrick O'Brien's Husky Legend game. I think it's going to be the Heward show, dude. I think Heward's going to just play the whole game. That would be something. Wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm still not convinced that that guy's any good. Uh, but I, like, I'd almost say, I'd almost go with your thing uh, that you've been saying all season, which is like, let's just keep the, the stink of this year's team off this kid. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, lo- I love Washington to get into this game because uh, you know, we're, we're playing, there's no, there's no consequence for us. Yeah. For whatever like. reason, the Cougs just can't get it together right now when it comes to Washington. They've lost seven in a row, right? Yeah. I was at the, I think, I don't know that they've won a game since 2012. So it might be more than that. Or did we miss it? I mean, we could, we it's only missed seven. One they year. beat Sark one year. I think it was Leach's first or second year. It was in 2012, I believe. I was at the game. It was a field goal right at the end. They. I was at the game. It was a. Uh, it was, we cooked it in that game. We were up. It was at yep. Martin Stadium. Yep. Yep. Only time I've seen a game there. Uh, went with this uh, nice guy James uh, from law school. Uh, super cool dude. Works in the Dallas Mavericks organization now. Um, right. uh, great guy. I mean he. He did it right. He started some basketball blog and got hired in an NBA front office. I know a guy who did that too. Totally separate. Yeah, amazing. Started right? an analytics. He went to Cal Berkeley as an engineering degree from Cal Berkeley. Started doing analytics, and now is like the lead guy for the Toronto Raptors in uh, development and drafting. Yeah, that, I guess yeah. Some... This, this guy just developed some uh, formula that, like, uh, it you know, like uh, projected. Uh, NBA outcomes based on like college player stats or something. Okay. And it was enough to, and now you like, you'll look, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year or over the off season, you look at his Instagram and he's like on a plane with Dirk Nowitzki going to China. What a world, dude. All right. Yeah. What a world. <laughs> and he got to see the Cougs win their last Apple Cup. Yeah. Piece of shit. In front <laughs> like, of me, too. A while ago. <laughs> I, dro- I drove him to that goddamn game and I was like, I was kind because I was like, well, if my, you know, if I was him, I'd want to listen to the post game radio show. So I like made sure we listened to the Washington State post game show on the way back. You know, made sure he, you know he enjoyed himself. Uh, and because I'm such a mensch like that, that's why Washington State hasn't won the game since. 
because I'm the endured, kindest man in the world. He hasn't enjoyed any of those games since, so yeah. um, hopefully he doesn't enjoy the one tomorrow, two days from now. Yeah. What the 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 uh, the other thing I'd say is if uh, if we are to lose one of these games, wait, I, eventually it'll happen again. Yeah. This is a fine year for it to happen. Yeah, might as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I've heard that too, which kind of makes me worried that it's going to like manifest itself. Yeah. Because this yeah. is also like the perfect year to just win it too, right? Like, because like we did that for a second too. Like, in like low key, like 2002, 2003, 2004, UW wasn't any good. You know, like we, we were like seven and four, seven and five, like the, the you know, and, and that was with like the guesser years when the Cougs were like yeah. had it going. And we just routinely destroyed their seasons <laughs> for no yeah. good reason. Um, and so can't really like totally do that again because I think a couple of those years we kept him out of the, the Rose Bowl. Um, poor guys. Um, and uh, and has left Gesser just a shell of himself now, just a full-time far-right conspirator on Twitter. Um, as far as I can tell, that's all he does. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it would be a game. It would be a good game to drop to them if you're going to drop one. But I also it's, – it's like as good as any game to just win because that's like what's supposed to happen. Uh, yeah. What did happen to this guy? Oh, he, he went, he was working in their athletic department, but then he got booted for a bunch of sexual harassment. Stuff. Yeah. He was goosing. Yeah. He's a bad dude. Um, and now he's a full-time far right conspirator. Follow him on Twitter, dude. He's, he's crazy. He's absolutely fucking crazy. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at his page right now. We've got a recent, uh, retweets of Candace Owens and Jack Posobiec. Yeah. You know, he's, he's all the way. He's, he's all the way. And a video of people protesting critical race theory. Yeah. So there you go. That's that's Jason Gesser in a nutshell. Who's UW going to hire as coach? Uh, Jason Gesser. <laughs> All right, I'll stop looking at this. Uh, here's how I mean, we uh, talked ourselves into Kalen DeBoer last we week. We are. We are the sponsors of the Kalen DeBoer bandwagon. Here's Kalen DeBoer. Is, is, he's realistic, uh, for one. He is demonstrably uh, incredibly successful as a head coach. Yep. Uh, and he's an offense guy who has an offense that works. Uh, all of these things would be welcome in the Washington program. I love, uh, I love his NAIA experience, dude. He won uh, like five straight national titles at Sioux City or South Dakota or whatever. Yeah, um, Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls, South Dakota, right. And and I, I love the argument that people are putting forth. Like, well, that's NAIA, dude. They don't even have scholarship players. And it's like, exactly. All yeah. the schools at NAIA get basically the same athletes who just aren't quite good enough to get a D1 or a D2 offer. And so they go play, you know, they follow their dreams and they go play NAIA. Good for them. But, like, from a talent standpoint, it's pretty level. And he destroys people. Like, he destroyed everybody when that was the case, you know? Like, yeah. that's the oh, yeah. you want coaching your team. I'm 100%. Yeah. I mean, that. I, I love that, too. I mean, uh, yeah, what was he like, sixty-seven and three or something absurd? Yeah, as and then NAIA he took Indiana, like he was the offensive coordinator in Indiana for one year, and he made them the best offense in the, the Big Ten, basically. And then now he's in his second year at Fresno, and he's on pace to win ten games this year. They're eight and three right now. They're huge favorites this weekend against uh, San the uh, San Jose State, I think. Um, and you know, if they win their bowl game, they'll have ten. They'll have ten wins this year. Like, yeah, this is incredibly uncomplicated. He wins. He wins all over the place, everywhere yeah. he goes. Like, let's—that's it. Like, we don't need—we don't need to do too much more than that. 
Yep, I agree. I agree with that 100. So uh, other names that are floating around are uh, Matt Campbell uh, from Iowa State, who I don't have a big problem with. Uh, I'm what I don't know is I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up as we're talking, like whether he's offense or defensive background. It appears to be offensive coordinator background, so that's positive. Um, and he's got I mean to go 76 and 48 as a head coach that's solid. Yeah, uh, I mean he's he would be considered I think the home run hire because he's he's turned Iowa State into a really competitive program and that's a really tough place to win i know they had a disappointing year this year but i think he's he's got the pedigree that everyone's looking at in terms of like he's proven it at the power five level which is the yeah. one thing other than his year at offensive coordinator well the one knock you can have on DeBoer, even though he wins everywhere else at every level you know like whatever um so i think campbell would be number one on everybody's list with a list which includes florida lsu usc um who am i missing um I mean, a lot of teams are going to be chasing this dude. So, yeah, Aranda, the Baylor head coach, is on a lot of lists right now. Um, Napier, the guy from Louisiana, um, the guy from Coastal Carolina, Stoops from Kentucky. I mean, there's a bunch of coaches that are going to get paid in the coming weeks. Um, yeah. yeah, we got we got DeBoer. He's he's out here already. You know, he's out west already. Yep. Uh, and he's not like, and I mean, I think it's just to, to me, it's just a scenario where he's the guy that it's it's just meant to be. It it just so happens that the guy who Washington would have to settle for based on this market, you know, based on all the great schools that have open head coaching positions, I to to my mind seems to be the best guy for the job anyway. Uh, so let's go. Let's just go do it. Let's go get him, dude. I'm with you. That's all I have to say on it. Right, I'm, I'm done analyzing it. I just want Kellen DeBoer to be our coach. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, speaking of, uh, so we're, we're uh, taping this here on uh, Thanksgiving Eve, right? Yeah. And uh, you know who's uh, who's playing a little football game tomorrow? Are your Fresno State Bulldogs. Yeah, they're, they're like big favorites over San Jose, right? Yeah. I guess another coach that I like, that Brent Brennan guy. What's the spread? I mean, let's get this damn thing up. Let's see. Let's uh, we got to back. To, they're not even huge favorites. They're seven and a half point road favorites. I mean, road favorites against a, a decent San Jose State team. The San Jose State's a little bit down this year, but yeah, uh, yeah dude, we're doing this one at twelve thirty on FS One. Uh, I'll watch that. I'm watching it. I'm watching that for sure. I'm, I'm watching the heck out of it, dude. I'm gonna chart it. <laughs> they're gonna lose like forty three to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm checking that out. I'm, pu I'm putting that in the group chat right when this is over. We need DeBoer action tomorrow. Yeah, I agree. We're going big on DeBoer. For sure. All right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, that does it for this week's episode of Eligible Receivers. Uh, for Eric, I'm Warren. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week.